Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. This weekend, as we're celebrating Easter together, we're finishing up our series called Communion. And over the course of the last few weeks, what we've been doing is taking the words that Jesus spoke during his last supper with his disciples before he went to the cross and walking through some of the language together and just taking it systematically week by week and working through that. And so in Matthew 26, 26, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it, then broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Now he was saying something to them that they didn't really understand. They thought they were just getting bread, but Jesus was foreshadowing what was going to happen and what had been happening to him. So he took the bread and he said, this represents my body. He took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. And what he's saying is, um, that which is happening to this bread is what's happening to me. You just don't see it yet. And so with the power of hindsight, they can look back and they could see the progression in Jesus's life and what had happened to him. And we see him use this language several times in the New Testament. He uses the same language several times. Uh, He took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it. And this is a pattern for the life of Jesus. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about what does it mean for for us to be taken? What does it mean for us to be blessed? What does it mean for us to be broken? And last weekend, as we talked about brokenness, a lot of people resonated with that. And maybe you weren't here last weekend or you didn't listen to last weekend's message. I would encourage you go back and get caught up on that because brokenness fills our world. And, and this week we're talking about what does it mean to, to give? Jesus gave the bread. But really what we're talking about this weekend is the fact that Jesus gave his life. He laid it down. He gave his life for us. And Jesus was generous. I think no one embodies generosity more than Jesus because he understood what it really meant. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said this. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He's saying the greatest love is sacrificial love. The greatest love that we can have in our life is a a sacrificial love for someone else, that we say, I'm putting your needs above my needs. I, I want what you want more than what I want. So I'm gonna lay down what I want for what you want. This is the greatest love of all. Does anybody remember? <clears throat> I mean, I'm old, okay? I'm 45. Ancient by a lot of standards. <laughs> College students make me feel old. Does anybody remember 1985? Some of you are like, no. There was something before 2000? I didn't know that. 1985, I was eight years old. Um, in 1985, a song was released by an up and coming musical artist named Whitney Houston. Anybody remember Whitney Houston? <laughs> I am old. So Whitney Houston released a song on her debut album and the song was Greatest Love of All. And I memorized the song because I was in a kid's choir when I was in elementary school and we sang Greatest Love of All. And somehow that song got seared in my memory. And when I was a freshman in college, I was in a freshman level speech class and we had to give a, uh, a speech and we weren't graded on content, we were graded on delivery. And so I decided I was going to to deliver the greatest speech of all time, which was The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. And I delivered it in a dramatic way, and it was awesome. (laughs) 
I believe the children are our future. And I delivered it in this really dramatic way. And I was like, we'll see what happens. I got an A on it. I was like, nailed it, right? He didn't remember the song, the, the professor didn't. But I've got this song in my brain. And it's funny because Whitney Houston in the song says the greatest love of all. She says, the greatest love of all is happening to me because learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And in the world we live in, it makes a lot of sense. It sounds like something Oprah would say, right? Like, hey, you can't love others. Do you love yourself? You gotta love yourself. How about some self-love? You gotta accept yourself and love your, and we go, yeah, that makes sense. But it's rubbish. Jesus said, the greatest love of all is not loving yourself. The greatest love of all is loving others more than yourself. That's the greatest love of all. And he embodies this, he lives it out. Sometimes I'll say that, that God sent Jesus to the cross and this is true, he did. This was the plan of God for Jesus, but Jesus didn't go to the cross the way your child goes to their room to clean your room. When you say, go clean your room, they go, oh, fine, and they go clean their room. They might do it, but they do it with the wrong attitude. Jesus didn't do that. He willingly went to the cross because of his love for us. In fact, it says in John chapter 10, verse 18, no one can take my life from me. Jesus says this, nobody can take my life from me. He says, I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and to also take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. I love the swagger that Jesus has. Now he's not arrogant, but he's confident. He knows who he is. He, he knows his identity. He knows what he's been called to do. He knows that he's the son of God. He knows the authority he carries. And so he makes this very clear. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, if you think somebody can take my life, you don't know who I am. Nobody has taken my life. I'm willing to give my life. I lay it down as a sacrifice. So just make this clear. He says, I lay it down and I will take it up again when I'm ready. Whew, I love that. The authority he has, the, the power he has. And this is why we know he was willing to do it because he could take up his life whenever he's ready. He, he could... He could do it whenever he wanted, but he still went to the cross for us. Why? Because of the love he has for you and for me. He was willing to do it. He didn't have to. It didn't benefit him at all. It was for our benefit that he went to the cross. He was generous. Jesus always gives more than he takes, and he always gives better than he takes. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was talking to his disciples in Luke 9.22, he said this, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. He'll be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He'll be killed, but on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. And then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? It's interesting because he says, if you wanna be my follower, you must give up your own way, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. The word follow in the Greek, the, the word that's used is a word that means to walk where whoever's preceding you walks. So basically Jesus was saying, if you wanna walk where I walk, if you wanna do what I do, here's what you need to do. 
He says, give up your own way. Lay down your preferences. Lay down um, your values. Lay down your agenda. Lay down your plans. Lay down what you want. Take up your cross and follow me. When he says, take up your cross, we misuse that phrase in our culture. We think it means anything hard, like, oh, my boss is mean, but it's my cross to bear. Or my car doesn't always work, but that's my cross to bear. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He wasn't like, you know what? You're gonna have, you're gonna have to lay down what you want, drive a cruddy car to work every day, and then follow me. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying, hey, you're gonna have to lay down what you want and work for a bad boss. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, his contemporaries, the people that were there, understood what he was saying. Jesus was saying, <laughs> You have to lay down what you want. And when he said, take up your cross, he was saying, you have to have a willingness to die for my cause daily. Every single day, he was saying, we need to take up a willingness to die for the cause of Christ. And then he said, then follow me. You're like, wait a second, Mel. Easter messages are not supposed to be like this. They're supposed to make me feel good and fluffy and cozy and comfortable. And that is not what Jesus was doing at all. Jesus said, hey, this is hard stuff. You wanna be my follower, it's going to take something from you. It's going to be demanding. It is going to cost you something. In fact, he spells that out in Luke chapter nine. In Luke chapter nine, uh, he's got some of his followers, his disciples, his core group, but then some, some fringe people are following him. And as they were walking along in verse 57, it says, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I love that. Jesus, I will follow you. And Jesus doesn't go, great, I'm so glad we got you signed up for the team. I, oh, we've been waiting on you, let me help you. Come on, you can be part. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, you're signing up awfully quickly. Let me, let me give you some background. Um, this is going to be harder than you think it is. This is not gonna solve all your problems because probably this person had seen some of the miraculous signs and wonders Jesus had performed and they were excited, they were energized. They're like, yeah, I want that. And Jesus is cautioning him and he's saying, let me tell you something. This is gonna be worse than you think it is. This is not gonna solve all your problems. You're, you're not gonna be comfortable. You may not always be happy. Doesn't that sound like a great sales pitch? Who's signing up for that small group? Like, hey, who wants to be uncomfortable and unhappy? Like, yeah, come on. Then he goes on to say to another person, he says, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home to bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This is hard stuff. This is challenging, right? Je Jesus says to this guy, this guy says, let me go bury my father. And let me give you some context to this. Most scholars don't believe that there, there was a dead body like the father had died and he was awaiting burial. Most scholars believe what was actually the case was the man was older and this, this man was anticipating his father's death. Hey, I'm gonna have to take care of my dad. And so when I'm done with that, 
then I will come follow you. And then with the family, let me go say goodbye to my family. It sounds like Jesus is anti-family. He's not at all. He is pro-family, okay? Um, but what Jesus is talking about is priorities. Where do our affections lie? Are our top affections reserved for Jesus or are our top affections reserved for the things of this world? See, this man said, let me go bury my father. But what Jesus recognizes, this man was really saying, hey, I'll follow you when I'm ready. When I get my stuff together, when I handle my business, when I get everything lined out the way I want it to get lined out, then I'll follow you. Does that sound familiar? I know people all the time that say the same thing. Well, I'm not ready to commit to church. I'm not ready to commit to God. I've got some things I need to line out. I need to get some things fixed. And this man says, hey, let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus is drawing this line in the sand. He's saying, hey, your family's important, but you have to understand what is of supreme importance. And what is of supreme importance is the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. But this sounds hard, doesn't it? This doesn't sound easy. Jesus is laying this out. This isn't comfy. This isn't cozy. This is challenging. It, it, it sounds like it's gonna cost us a lot. And, and my response to you is yes. You're right. It does cost us a lot. It might cost us everything. But remember what I said earlier. Jesus always gives more than he takes. No matter what is required from us, there is always more for us. No matter what God asks you to lay down, he's got something better for you. And this is not some sort of prosperity doctrine where I say, if you give 100, you'll get 1,000. That's not what I'm talking about. It would be way easier if that was the case. What we're talking about is, will you lay down your values? Will you lay down your plans? Will you lay down your purposes? And those are way more valuable than dollars and cents. Will you lay those down and say, Jesus, I want what you want instead of what I want. This is what he's requiring of us. This is what he demands of us. This seems impossible though. How, how, how can we possibly live this way? This feels like something that's reserved for, for ministers and missionaries, but not normal people. Not people who just attend church and don't have seminary degrees, but it is. Because you and I are part of the, the body of Christ. Um, I think a good parallel for this is to talk about marriage and when we, when we look at this, Ephesians chapter five, uh, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus. He's trying to help them understand two things. Number one, what does a healthy church look like? And then number two, what does a healthy marriage look like? And he's trying to help them understand one and the other. So he talks about one and compares it to the other, and he talks about one and he compares it to the other. So he's trying to help them see that there are parallel tracks here. And so he's finishing up Ephesians five, and this is what he says in verse 31. Now scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So he wraps up this last line and he says, husbands, basically what he's saying is, husbands, love your wives sacrificially, like we talked about earlier. You put her needs above your needs. You're willing to die for her. Not just that, you're willing to live for her. Um, 
love sacrificially. And then wives, here's what you do. You respect and honor your husband. This is what a healthy marriage looks like. If you can do this, you're gonna have health in your marriage. Now, what he's saying is the oneness that comes in marriage, and sometimes we think about unity in marriage, we talk about two becoming one, and we talk about it in a purely physical sense. And, and, and the Jewish understanding of marriage was so much deeper than our understanding of marriage. The, the, the aspects of the spiritual, mental, um, emotional connection we, had with, what we have with each other in marriage is much deeper in the Jewish context than it is in English Western context. And so when they talk about being one, they're not talking about sex. They're talking about our hearts being united as one. So when he talks about the church being united with Christ, he's talking about our hearts being one, that we are wed together. We are melded together with Christ. And he's using marriage language. He says, we are one with Christ. And he uses marriage as a way to, to usher this in. In Galatians chapter three, Paul talks to the Galatians. And he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Another translation says, we are baptized into Christ Jesus. And this is unique language in the Greek because Paul's using marriage language in this context. And what he's saying is we are one with Christ Jesus. We are emotionally, spiritually um, connected to Jesus, that, that we are not our own, we are one with him. In relationships, one of the things I've seen anecdotally is that um, many relationships that are unhealthy have someone who takes, someone who takes and takes and takes and takes from a relationship. They don't contribute and because they don't contribute or they contribute very little, it creates dysfunction in a relationship. When you've got two people who are giving and they're endeavoring to give more than they take, it creates a really healthy uh, relationship because they're looking out for the needs of the others. It's not about me. But what happens is even a healthy relationship can turn bad if we start keeping score. If we start going, hey, wait a second, I do this all the time and you never. What are we doing? We're keeping score. This is... Uh, Simply, basically, this is like when the baby is born and the baby's crying and you're like, it's your turn, I got up last time. Well, you're keeping score. That's probably not great. And we do this all the time. And it's not just in marriage, it's also in a relationship with Christ. We keep score. We go, Jesus, I went to church and you didn't answer my prayer. Jesus, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. What are we doing? We're keeping score. We're, we're saying, I demand, you know what I, I'm doing this and you're not holding up your end of the bargain. And, and one of the reasons this happens is because marriage is multidimensional, but we get sidetracked sometimes. So there's, there's a, a legal, and I'm oversimplifying this idea. There's a legal aspect of marriage, and this aspect is a couple comes to me and goes, hey, we wanna get married. And I go, well, go get your license. I'll do the wedding. I'll, I'll fill out the paperwork. We'll get it to the courthouse. They'll register it, and then you're legally married. You get to file taxes together, and that's awesome, right? Like, there you go. That's the legal side of marriage. There's an effectual side of marriage too, where people go, hey, we don't need a paper to say we're married. We love each other. We have affection for each other, right? Now, both of those are incomplete. You need both of them together. And, and if you're here 
and you're not married legally and you're living with someone, we can have that discussion at some point. From a biblical perspective, you need to be legally married. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. Because it's incomplete, it's one dimensional. Um, if you're not legally married, it's problematic and cause issues in the marriage because it's lacking the full dimension of what it should be. And, and let me say it the other way too. There are people that are legally married, but there is no affection in their marriage. Oh, they got, they got the paper. We got the paper that says we're married. We can prove we're married. But there's no affection between us. There's no care between us. Our hearts aren't one, but we're legally married. And again, this is what we do with Christ many times. We, we come to church, we'll say a prayer. We'll go, oh no, I signed up. I, I grew up Catholic, I'm good. Oh no, no, I grew up in church. My mom goes to church all the time, I'm good. And what we're saying is, I got the paper, I'm married. But we are not one with Christ. So when we see people that are doing great things for Christ, when we see people even in a worship service, they have their hands raised and they're dancing, they're moving, we're like, those people are crazy. Why are they acting like that? Well, maybe they're crazy, but, but maybe they're one with Christ. When we hear stories about people who, who quit their jobs and go on the mission field, and we go, those people are crazy, I would never do that. Well, maybe they're not crazy, maybe they're just one with Christ. Maybe they're prioritizing things that are eternal over things that are temporary. I heard a quote this last week and the quote said this, it said, the people who are dancing seem crazy to the people who can't hear the music. And sometimes we don't hear the music because we're not one with Christ. Oh, oh, we're signed up. I got the paper that says we're married. Great. But are you one with Christ? Because if we're one with Christ, it changes everything. Let me go back to Matthew 26, 26. When Jesus took the bread and he broke it, uh, blessed it and broke it and gave it, and he said, take this and eat it. This is my body. This is how this changes. If we are one with Christ, when Jesus says, this is what happens to me, because this is what's happening to the bread, this symbolizes me, what he's really saying is, this is what happens to you. Hey, if you're one with me, you need to expect to be taken and blessed and broken and given away. Because that is what we're signing up for. That's, that's what we surrender our lives to. And we might seem crazy. We might seem like a zealot. But that's what God is inviting us to. That's what Jesus is imploring us to be a part of. When Jesus took the bread, he, he's taking us. Remember, Jesus doesn't take anything. He receives what is given freely. He won't snatch you up. He won't make you surrender your life to him. But when you surrender your life, he'll receive it. When you say, Jesus, I'm a mess, I need you, I can't do this on my own, he'll receive it. And then what he does is he blesses you. We're blessed. Now blessing doesn't mean you're gonna drive a nice car or I live in a big house. It doesn't mean you're, everything's gonna go your way. What the word blessed here means, when he blessed the bread, he, he, he consecrated it. He set it apart for a set apart purpose. Jesus is blessing you because he's saying, I'm gonna use you in ways I can't use anybody else. I've got a purpose and plan for you that is unique to you and is special to you. I'm setting you apart for a set apart purpose. Remember, we're blessed because we're gonna be broken. And the truth is everyone is broken. 
Even Jesus was broken, so we should expect to be broken. And Jesus will not prevent brokenness in our lives, but he will redeem brokenness in our lives. And then finally, Jesus gave. He gave the bread away. He gave his life away. Not only did he lay down his life for our sin, but he gives us new life so we can come alive in him. So is he asking a lot from us? Absolutely is. But he always gives more than he takes. The word we talked about at the beginning of this message was didome. He gave. Didome. Of one's own accord to give something to his advantage. Jesus has given us a gift, the gift of life, and it is for our advantage. Jesus does not benefit from this. We benefit from this. Jesus has given us a free gift. All we have to do is ask for it. We have to say, Jesus, I need what you are offering. And I freely receive it today. Jesus, you can have my life and I want the life that you have. We ask for it, we'll receive it. See, he has entrusted us with new life in him. He entrusts us. What are we doing with that new life? Are we valuing it? Are we treasuring it? Or is it something we throw in the junk drawer? It's an afterthought for us. Because if we value it and treasure it, then number four, it's something to be administered. My question would be, what are you doing with what's been given to you? How are you stewarding the new life that Christ has given you? Are you sharing this good news, this gospel with others? Are you sharing life with others? Or are you just nicer? Because the world doesn't need nicer people. The world needs people that have been transformed by the power of God. That's my challenge to you. That's what Christ is inviting us into. That's what he wants for you. Hey, right now we're gonna turn it over Pastor Colin there in Blairsville, and he's gonna close out the rest of our time together. I love you guys more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Happy Easter. So today, the challenge is pretty straightforward. The, the challenge is for people who are not yet believers, people that maybe you've struggled with committing to follow Christ for whatever reason, maybe you've been hurt or disappointed by church by people, by leaders. Maybe you feel like you've been hurt or disappointed by God. And so for whatever reason, you've yet to commit your life and surrender your life to Jesus. My challenge to you today is, today is your day. This is your moment. Why wait any longer? Christ is here. He's ready to redeem you. He's ready to bring you home. No matter what brokenness you have in your life, he's ready to redeem it. No matter what issues you've brought into this place, he's ready to forgive it, if that's you. And then there are people in this room that maybe you would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but maybe you recognize today, you've got the paper that proves that you're the bride of Christ, you're married to, to Jesus, but today you go, ah, there's no affection. I'm not one with Christ because my heart is far from him. And I, I, need, to, I need to be right with God. I wanna give you that chance. It's not about being perfect. It's about pursuing Christ. So we wanna give you that opportunity. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that we could never understand the depth of your love for us 
There is no means by which we could measure your love for us. So God, help us not take it for granted. Help, it not, help us not to treat it with contempt at times, disregard at others. But God, help us to truly recognize how much you love us and what you want for us. And that if there are things you're asking us to lay down, it is ultimately for our benefit. So God, I pray today that you would comfort those that are here, that are struggling, that are afraid, that are nervous about what's next. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd speak life into this place. I pray for people that don't know you, that have yet to surrender their life. Let today be the day. Let this be the moment that new life begins, that they're made different for your glory. God, have your way with us. Now, with nobody looking around, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say to me, Mel, what you described as me, I'm not really following Jesus. I'm not in a relationship with Jesus, but I wanna be. Maybe you're the person that you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've been hurt or disappointed, but you recognize today is my day. Today is my day. I wanna surrender my life to his lordship and his kingship. Today's my day. Maybe you're here and you'd say, I- I'm a believer. At one point, I thought I was a believer but I recognize today my heart is far from God. I wanna recommit my life to Christ. If you fit into either one of those categories, I wanna give you an opportunity today. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna say a simple prayer with you. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer, no matter where you are in this room, I'd like you to raise your hand high where I can see it. Slip it up real high where I can see it. Yeah, thank you in the balcony, a couple hands. Thank you on my right. Thank you. Who else would say, Mel, that's me, pray for me, include me in that prayer. Yeah, I see you on my right in the balcony. Yep, I see you on my left, thank you. Praise God, thank you, sir. Yeah, up here in the balcony, I see you. Thank you, you guys can put your hands down, I see you up there. Praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you. I see you up there, another hand in the back of my left, thank you. I don't wanna rush this moment. I just wanna take another couple seconds. Anyone else say, include me in that. That's me. Yeah, thank you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you. us. You didn't have to, but you wanted to. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for those that have responded this morning and said they're choosing new life, they're choosing you. Thank you for making that possible the atoning death of Christ on the cross. Be glorified through these next few moments. Now, the book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray a prayer with you. I wanna say this prayer and I want you to repeat this prayer with me no matter whether you raised your hand or not. I want everybody in the place to pray this prayer with me. But I want you to pray it from your soul. 
from your heart. I want you to pray it from your core, that this isn't something you're just saying mindlessly. This is something that you are praying from your heart to the ears of God. So I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, everybody in the room. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, I am yours. I will follow you wherever you lead. Forgive me of my sin and help me live a life that brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, scripture says you're in a creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We'd love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So the simplest thing to do would be to simply fill out the card in the seat back in front of you. Uh, the side that says salvation, fill that out and stop by our info center. When we finish here in a moment, give it to them. They're gonna give you a new Bible. They're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you're watching online or you're here in the room and you prefer simply text Summit PA to 94,000 and we're gonna respond back to you and ask you a few questions and we'll get connected with you and we'll get a, we're gonna send you some stuff in the mail to help you take the next step in your journey. So again, thank you so much. And really, for those of you that responded today, one of the most important things you can do is to sign up for water baptisms here in two weeks. We would love for you to be baptized and, and just go public with your faith. Just tell the world what God is doing in your heart. So be a part of that, get signed up for that. We'd love to help you take the next step. As you came in this morning, you received um, the communion elements in a, in a cup. Um, there's a couple layers there. The, the bread is under the first layer, then you gotta dig down to get to the juice. Um, you gotta really want to take communion today. We make it challenging for you. But this is what we're doing today that's a little different. What we're asking you to do is to receive the communion elements on your own during this final song. During this final song, this is a moment of contemplation and reflection. It's not really supposed to be a, a, a congregational song. It's really a moment for us to remember the price that Christ paid on the cross for us, his body that was broken and his, his blood that was shed. And so that's what we're asking you to do is Pastor Kendall leads us in this final song. It really is more for us just to reflect on the price that Christ paid. And Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body that was given for you. And then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood. It's the new covenant. And what he's saying is the old covenant is gone. The old law that restricted, it was about your behavior and not about your relationships, that's gone. The new covenant is here. It's about your relationship with Jesus. It's about intimacy. It's about being one with him. That's what the new covenant is. And that's what Jesus was ushering in. So that's what we're gonna do together. So what I'd love for you to do is receive those elements when you're ready during this final song. And if you're um, a, a head of a household, if you're a mom, or if you're a dad and you've got your family with you, if you're comfortable doing so, I'd love for you to take a minute and maybe pray with your family as you receive communion together. And I know it's a little harder because the place is packed, but, but take a minute and, and receive the elements together and think about what God has done for us. Why don't you stand your feet all over the room we're gonna receive the elements here in just a moment. We're gonna worship together. And then in just a few minutes, Pastor Kendall's gonna dismiss us. Guys, I love you. I love you more than you know. I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a happy Easter.